Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate you letting us be part of your day. We know many parts of the country having some uh, serious weather. Be careful. Have a safe day and uh, take your time out there and take all the precautions you can. We have lots to talk about today, a lot more on this red-hot market rally and where it goes from here. We'll get thoughts from Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance, Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net, and former USDA economist Joe Glauber will be joining us as well. But we start things off today with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you? Very good. Lots going on on the biofuels front. The EPA now proposing to push back 2019 and 2020 compliance year deadlines for the renewable fuel standard because they say of uncertainty surrounding small refinery exemptions. Um, while this delays things even more, at least the biofuels industry is hoping this means that the outgoing EPA is not going to be granting more waivers. Yeah, you know, Mike, I'm not so sure that it's really that clear at this point. You know, we're hearing rumbles, too, about uh, EPA possibly granting a general exemption. Uh, you know, there was a number of states back in oh, the spring, middle of last year, uh, that had asked for general exemptions from the RSS uh, because of the COVID-19 situation. Um, the latest now is that that may actually happen here in the, in the last few days of the Trump administration. I'm not really clear on that yet, but it's something we're following. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting, the rule that was put out, actually it's being posted today on the Federal Register, uh, it does move back deadlines for 2019 and 2020 for small refineries. Um, and so essentially it's, <clears throat> it's basically pushing the decision uh, on 32 exemption requests from 2019, and I believe there's 14 for 2020. It's pushing those back uh, to the middle of this year and then on into the following year. Um, so clearly, I think the Trump administration doesn't really want to take an action on this. Uh, but, you know, here we are. We're in the final days <clears throat> of the administration, and uh, we might be hearing quite a bit more from EPA here in the next couple of days. There's still that concern that, uh, they will grant what I call parting gifts as they, to the oil industry as they head out the door with more more waivers. Yeah, and, you know, it, you're right. It still is a possibility, although the fact that EPA is wanting to move back the deadlines for, the, for those uh, refiners to comply, uh, that does seem to indicate that, uh, you know, they're not going to go forward with last-minute uh, grantings at this point. Uh, but, you know, there's some other things that are still out there. You know, we had the whole thing brought up about E15 pump labeling. Uh, maybe there's some rule that's going to come out here in the next few days uh, related to that as well. Uh, we, you know, it, there are some indications EPA is going to kind of try to clear the deck a little bit before uh, the Trump administration bows out. Time will tell, but there is hope. Yeah. There is optimism. I know in the biofuels industry that the new EPA 
will, under this Biden administration, will handle this issue much differently than the Trump administration did. But we will see. I mean, we've heard promises, we've heard words, yeah. we've heard speeches on this before. And in fact, I just wrote a commentary about the, this very topic. Until we have actions to back up the words, you, you have to uh, uh, be kind of weary yeah. because words alone aren't going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we've heard we've heard a lot of talk before in previous uh, changes of administration that, you know, one way or the other, they're going to be good for biofuels. And then, you know, with with the Trump administration coming into it, I, I think a lot of people thought that, uh, you know, it was pretty solid for, for ethanol. And then it ended up being a bit of a rocky road. And so you're right. I, I don't think until we know for sure, until we see rules put out and and uh, new officials in EPA talking about these issues, uh, we really don't know. So, I, I, you know, here we are. We're starting a new administration. We're kind of back to square one, not really knowing where things are going to go. And you can look back. Both parties have been guilty of this. And you think back to the Obama administration, they were constantly late yeah. on meeting deadlines when it came to the RFS. So neither one of them has a, a great sparkling clean record on this but hopefully it'll get better moving forward we're talking with dtn reporter yeah. todd neely todd another uh topic here of course the big topic in agriculture right now is this red hot uh, market rally that's going on yeah uh, but the other side of it is one if you're a livestock producer it means your feed costs are higher uh, and two right. as we've seen before when these grain prices go up uh input costs usually follow them along and, and head up as well and you've been following that yeah, absolutely. You know, especially, uh, you know, on the ethanol side of things, for example, uh, you know, we've seen the corn price just skyrocket here in the past month. Um, and, you know, we were already in a tough situation in, in ethanol, uh, you know, from last year, all the COVID battles, all the things that this industry has been through. And you're right, you know, those prices are going up. But on the other hand, you know, we've seen ethanol prices go up as well. We've seen DDG prices go up. Uh, so it, see, it seems to be that normally when the input prices go up, it's usually following the commodity prices in, in the same direction. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what that's going to, you know, mean for the coming spring and, and planting all those things, uh, you know, whether this trend holds or not. But definitely seeing those commodity prices go up, uh, you almost certainly always see the input prices go up. You know, the people that provide the inputs uh, kind of seize the market, so to speak. And I've talked to some farmers who say, with the timing of the uh, rally that's going on, maybe they're in a little better shape right now because they'd already prepaid or booked some of their input costs uh, before the rally really kicked in hard. So maybe they get a little protection in that way. Yeah, I think so. You know, and and you're right. I mean, a lot of a lot of producers do look farther down the road and. You know, it's, it's tough to play the market in that way. You, you don't know where things are going to go. I think most producers will look at a certain input and say, you know, I, I can make a profit on that price, and they lock it in. I think it just depends on each producer where, where, what direction they go. But, uh, you know, in general, just to see these prices going back up again, uh, I'm sure a lot of producers, had they, you know, not locked in those prices, I, I'm sure they're probably wishing they would have. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe this is a short-term thing. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we're getting a lot of opinions on that. We'll be talking with several uh, market analysts here coming up again on today's program. All right, Todd, good to talk with you again. No shortage All of right. topics, that's for sure. Never is. Good times. <laughs> All right. Take care, Todd. Thanks, Mike.
DTN reporter Todd Neely. Yeah, more on the markets coming up with um, Steve Nicholson, analyst with Robo AgriFinance, and Matt Bennett with AgMarket.net. But up next, I uh, want to get the thoughts on what's going on with the markets, uh, relationship with China, exports moving forward. We're going to talk with Joe Glober, former USDA chief economist, now a senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute. I want to get his thoughts on, on the ag economy here early in 2021. A lot of excitement, uh, uh, a lot of buzz about this market, how high it might go, how long will it stay like this. He'll take a look at some of the underlying factors that we need to keep an eye on that maybe we uh, kind of overlook when we get caught up in, in a market rally like this. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Purdue Ag Economist Michael Langmeyer, the latest numbers from the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer. We're looking at the December numbers. Perhaps the barometer numbers are up. Yeah, the, the barometer increased to 174 in December. But the real story of this, the index of the current conditions and index of future expectations, really moving in, in different directions, or there's more divergence between those. And specifically, the index of current conditions reached an all-time high of 202 in December, where the index of future expectations is relatively flat in December. And so what's going on here, obviously, is because of the recent increase in prices, people are very optimistic about the outlook for the next year. And certainly with the prices that we've seen, uh, even since this, this survey was taken, that there's room for optimism in the next year or so. But they're a little less optimistic when you look out five years. And so, and so that's the real story this month. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. 
The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist, now senior research fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute. Joe, thanks for joining us. I want to talk about this uh, this amazing market rally that, uh, um, wow, I, I, who saw this coming, yeah. right? I mean, we think back yeah. a few months and nobody was talking about Not this. I. And now, now the talk is about how high will it go and how long will it last? Yeah, no, it's amazing. Uh, you know, we're on the year anniversary of signing the phase one uh and uh i mean it's been trade's been great i mean exports have been rocking and and now with the you know with these particularly with the crop report i mean it's a huge uh boost on prices uh, following that and uh regardless of what you think about the crop report uh, uh the impact on prices has, has been amazing is this just a perfect storm, as it has been described, uh, when you have uh, South America, as we wait to see what happens there with their crop, we have China buying, we have um, our crop was good but not great. Uh, there are some weather concerns for our crop production this coming year. I mean, are all these things just having to come together at the same time? Yeah, I think. I think that's exactly right. I mean, I always am sensitive to the other side of the the, the sector, that is the animal side, and and um, you know they're I expect that they're looking at these prices with a little bit of trepidation um, uh, uh, for the feed side. But yeah, no, the um, the South America weather I think has been you know on everyone's radar. But when you factor in you know the 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 fact that China just was buying so much, um, and, and again, what, what's amazed me about the China sales is that they seem to be buying them because they they need the product. I mean, this isn't just hey, we're buying it because we're obligated to do so. We're going to put it in storage. You know, stocks haven't really. Uh, it, it doesn't look like this stuff is is just going into some Costco storage bin um, or Sino Grain storage bin, but rather is. You know, the, the hog population has jumped back much faster than people anticipated. So, you know, again, all that, as you say, really wasn't on, on people's radar. I mean, we expected some recovery in China, but I think it's been far more rapid than, than people thought. And uh, uh, when you combine that with bad weather and, um, or, you know, ever growing things, even even in, you know, southern or eastern Europe and in former Soviet Union, uh, you know, they've been hit too. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, this has all contributed to these uh, big jump in prices. All right. So there's certainly a lot of emotion now in the market. Let's look at the fundamentals. Do the fundamentals support this uh, lasting much longer or how do you see it playing out? Well, gee, I mean, you always, you know, the, the, uh, the great thing about agriculture is it can rebound pretty quickly. Um, 
the southern hemisphere is, is, is a big story, though, and that, that really will determine supplies over the next six, seven months. And so um, in that degree, I mean, certainly when we're looking at planning decisions and see how people respond to it, I mean, you would think things like wheat, you know, people tend to, uh, you can grow wheat in a lot of different places. Uh, wheat rallies uh, seem to last uh, uh, not as quite as long as other rallies, uh, just because people can get those crops in the ground, so we'll we'll see there. But um, yeah, so the the big focus is going to be on uh, you know I think over the next few months just what we think is going to happen with with plantings and uh, spring plantings will tell a lot. But right now, you know, these are all stock levels have come down considerably. I mean, that's the other thing that the stocks were hanging over the market. Uh, you know, I I've said for a long time that that. Despite the uh, you know the falling prices, what, what's been striking is that demand has continued to grow. And uh, I mean, I, it, obviously with lower prices it would grow, but but I think that that you know stock levels haven't risen nearly to the level that I might that one might have thought, given the weakness and everything that we saw in the markets over the last few years. So them coming down a bit, I think that's uh, that's a real good sign. We're talking with former USDA chief economist Joe Glauber. So really, right now, the big question we wait to have answered is just how big will the South American crop be? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that that's right. I mean, the, those reports are going to be, you know, everybody's going to be following those very, very closely. And then, as I say, it, then, then it starts to turn to the planets here. Um, but... Uh, um, yeah, just how much you know Brazil is affected, in particular on on beans and and corn crop. Uh, you know, those are um, are going to weigh on the market certainly. When you look at uh, the situation with China, um, yeah, they've been big buyers. Do you see that continuing? You talked about their rebound, their recovery. I mean, it's you would think it's probably going to slow somewhat, but uh, do you see? And we're going to have a new administration now dealing with them. Do you see any abrupt changes in the in China? They're always hard to predict. Yeah, no, I and I think you know soybeans. I think it's it's a little easier to you know. I think they're going to continue to you know buy a lot of beans, and and I don't think that that you know they'll buy from South America uh, and then buy from the U.S. just like they were doing prior to the trade war and. Um, uh, I think the feed grain market is a little more complicated. Uh, you know, corn uh, exports to China have been through the roof, obviously, and record levels. And uh, but if you look at total feed grains and total feed stuffs, you know, because China does feed a lot of uh, a, a wide variety of things to, to their animals, uh, that that is um, that has really been dominated by by corn. And so, does that go back to you know them buying a little more barley. You know, do they they do they go back buy more sorghum? Do they you know do all that. If you look at total feed grain um, imports, those are really they aren't at record levels. They're about where they've been over the last few years. So I think it's been more of a switch over to corn, and some of that's due to the fact that they've had problems. You know, they've had trade issues with Australia, and so that's affected barley imports and and other things. Uh, so the, I think the feed grain issues a little more complicated um but um you know i think they're going to remain in the market and and 
uh, hopefully, uh, you know, continue to grow like they have. Um, uh, certainly with higher prices, that means export values and other things are going to be higher as well. So it's no surprise that we're USDA now is projecting, you know, record exports to China for this fiscal year. That is the one that started last October. So, um, again, all very positive. And I don't think I guess the, the question is going to affect that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We kind of wait to see when do higher prices slow demand. We haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I know. That, that's right. And, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I did want to point that out. I, if you look at the, the adjustments that USDA made in their balance sheets, you know, they, that's a tough thing, you know, when you're looking at, at, at a lot less production than you, you thought the day before and, and trying to allocate that over the, the balance sheet. Uh, with higher prices, does that mean that some of these sales won't get made ultimately? I don't know. I mean, I will have to watch that very care- carefully. That has, of course, in the past been the case that, that uh, sometimes, you know, uh, the, ultimately the shipments don't quite match what, what people had thought in terms of the, the sales uh, were going to be. But um, thus far, we haven't seen it. So let, let's see how that goes, and hopefully uh, we'll continue to we'll ship everything that, that we thought we were going to ship. Hey, real quick as we wrap it up, you mentioned wheat. What are your thoughts on this wheat market? It, it can really be tricky. Uh, as you said, those rallies don't seem to last as long as some others. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, yeah, I just, uh, again, I, uh, it, <laughs> I spent a lot of time as chief economist thinking of, you know, the, the Declaring uh, 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 the, the wheat crop was dead, only to find it back alive uh, a few months later. And so, you know, particularly going in from a winter wheat, uh, you know, to seeing what's, you know, turning that over and seeing how that comes out on the other side in, in the spring and emergence and everything, and see what sort of yields we have. Will be, you know, that everyone's going to be looking at, at uh, Russia. Everyone's going to be looking at Ukraine and 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 you know the the winter wheat crop here as well. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, I, you know, you on the U.S. side, we just had, uh, you know, continued lower planning. So uh, we're less of a factor on the world wheat market uh, these yep. days. But uh, uh, Soviet Union, former Soviet Union, that's where the action's going to be, I think. Yep, we'll keep a watch in the, the global picture on wheat for sure. Joe, always good to talk with you. Thank you. Yeah, Happy New Year, Mike. Thanks. Former USDA Chief Economist Joe Glauber. So, with all this going on with the markets, how about making those market decisions? There's some tough decisions to make. We'll talk about that with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. What kitchen gadget is so essential to food safety that no home should be without it? I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Toby Smithson. A food thermometer isn't just for meat and poultry. It will help you avoid food poisoning from egg dishes, casseroles, and leftovers by ensuring they're fully cooked by reaching a safe minimum internal temperature. Heat leftovers and casseroles to at least 165 degrees and egg dishes to at least 160 degrees. You'll find more food safety tips at homefoodsafety.org. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, 
your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Grains are mixed this morning with row crops and productions weaker, while wheat markets add strong gains on the prospect of Russian wheat exports being curtailed even more sharply than previously expected. Weekly wheat export sales totaled just 8.2 million bushels versus the 10 million bushels needed weekly, the first miss in nine weeks. Soybean export sales rose to an eight-week high last week with total commitments now accounting for about 92 percent of the USDA's estimate. On the Board of Trade, March soybeans trading eight and three quarters lower at 14.21 and a half cent. The May contract down nine and a half cent at 14.18 and a fraction. March corn trading three and three quarters lower at 5.30 and a half cent. The May contract down three and three quarters at 5.34. Chicago wheat March trading eight and three quarters higher at 6.78 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat March up 13 at 6.49 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat March up seven at 6.47 and a half cent. The May contract up seven cents at 6.55 and three quarters. Price pressure continues to build in livestock trade and cash cattle trade Friday morning as traders focus on building fundamental and technical weakness in both cattle and hog futures. April live cattle trading $1.50 higher at 118.72. The June contract up $1.07 at 116.02. March feeder cattle up $1.55 at 134.92. The April contract $1.42 higher at 137.42. April lean hogs up two cents at 72.10. The May contract down 55 at 76.90. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 245 points. The NASDAQ composite down 86. The S&P 500 down 26. Following trade today, markets will remain closed Monday in observance of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk with Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, there are questions, marketing questions for farmers, whether the market's going up or down. Right now it is going <laughs> up, and the questions are, you know, some 
seller's remorse, perhaps wish I hadn't sold when I did, wish I had more to sell now. Should how much should I sell going <laughs> forward? Uh, wow, these these are all questions. I mean, it's better to be having these questions in an up market, obviously, but still, these are important questions and that farmers are wrestling with right now. Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Happy New Year to you and all your listeners. Uh, yes, these are you know fundamental questions to get answered and so let's let's kind of back away and let's kind of put this in perspective and talk about where we are and, and some of this your listeners have heard and but i think it's good to remind them of this so you know we talked i, I can't tell you the number of times we talked last year and it was all gloom and doom and we both i think were like and, and i know in your questions is there a little ray of hope with you know with this or whatever and, and you remember those conversations mm-hmm. and and now, you know, five months down the road, four, five months ago, if I had said to you, you're going to see a five in front of the corn truck on the board and you're going to see 14 on the bean board, you would have, you would have gone, God, if that ever happens, I'm going to sell everything. And so here we are. And now people are, it's, it's the old canceled with close sort of mentality. So you know, let's put that in perspective. But let's talk about the marketing side, you know, kind of where we are and what we need to think about here. So first of all, as we always say, and this is the banker in me, is, you know, what is your cost of production and can you can you lock in profit margins at these levels? And yes, there is some probably seller's remorse. I get that. Um, but at the time you made that decision, whenever that was, that you made that decision on the best information you had at the time. And so you, it's very, it, it's easy to look back, but you have to kind of, part your way and say, I made that decision and I got to move on from here. So let's look forward and think about what's happening now. Can you lock in a margin? Can you lock in a profit margin? If you can, you know, it's a very difficult, to me, it's a difficult thing to turn your back on and say, oh, I'm going to wait for it to go higher. Because if you lock in a margin now, take that risk off the table, you live to farm for another day and you have added and added, added incentive to do that. Your spouse sleeps better you sleep better and so does your banker sleep better. And so, you know, let's think about managing that risk. Now, the, the other piece that's very difficult here is about this market. I guess it's something from a structural standpoint. You have corn market, you have the bean market, and you have, and the wheat market's not in this particular situation, although Chicago wheat is, um, in an inverse, meaning the front, the front end is more, is more expensive than the, than the back end. And so in a market like that, that, that's a market that can be very volatile and very and can make, change direction in a heartbeat because of, you know, planting acres, um, demand dries up, um, weather becomes really good, whatever the case might be. And so you have to remember this is an extremely volatile market and think about that. So that's, you know, to think about that structure. But if you look into 21 and you look into 22, whether it's these corn or whether it's November bean futures, and corn is a much is a much easier call in some ways. If you look at 456 right now on the board on December 21 corn, that's a pretty good price of corn, and I think anyone would like to see that. And even if you look out to 22, it's still above four dollars. Again, numbers that are not are not terrible numbers. Beans are a little tougher. Uh, if you look at November beans of next year, they're just under twelve dollars. You look out to 22, you know they're under eleven dollars. So not not as attractive, obviously, and obviously uh, the bean market has different structural issues fundamentally than the corn market does. So I think those are all things you have to take into consideration and think about 
where can you lock in margins, put profits together? And, and you asked in your question too, how much do you do? We're not, you know, I, I'm not thinking about that you sell the whole farm, so to speak. You know, start the process, you know, leg into that, you know, get 10% done here, put an order in 10% above. I mean, this is the sort of the coaching side of this. Think about it and, and you, you kind of layer that in. And if this is the worst sale you made all year, so be it. Uh, and if the market goes down and you've made these sales, you're going to feel pretty good too. So I think you have to, you have to reward markets to give you opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that's where we yeah, are sim- today. Sometimes you just have to think back, where were, where were you six months ago? And, and look mm-hmm. at how much better your options are at this point. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. So Steve, the, the acreage question going into any planting season yeah. is always an interesting one, even more so this year. Are, the conventional wisdom has been kind of an even split between corn and soybeans. Do you see one getting more acres than another with what's going on now? Yeah, it's a great question, and it certainly is the question of the year because you have all these crops are competing for acres, corn, soybeans. Look at what happened to winter wheat. You've got a million more acres of winter wheat planted this year. Now, whether that gets harvested or not is another story, but those are acres that are, for the moment, are taken up. So now you have a million acres less that could go to corn and soybeans, whether it's in Kansas or North Dakota or wherever the case, or, in, or across the Ohio River Valley. So, I mean, you've got that dynamic. You've also got sorghum that is, is doing well as well, and those acres need to come in. We've done some, and I'm going to, this is sort of a, this is a peek behind the curtain if you have it. We're just starting to work on our 10-year baseline. And when we look at that 10-year baseline, um, we're looking at corn and soybean acres that almost on par with each other. You know, corn acres a little bit higher, um, and bean acres a little bit, just under 90 million. We saw corn acres over 90 million in the, in the preliminary run. Now, having said that, um, I think we believe, you know, we chatted about this as an as a analyst group, is thinking that maybe the corn acres could be a little higher and the bean acres could be a little higher as well. And we could potentially be having record, if you put those two acres together uh, and then add wheat onto that, you could have record number of acres here in 2021. So, yeah, it, and there's all the economy saying to do that, and you, as we just talked. If you're able to... If you, if you market that 21 crop, there's a lot of incentive to, to put those acres in, get it marketed, and lock those profit margins in now. Okay, let's wrap it up with this, because this is what everybody's wondering. Is there <laughs> how much more upside potential do you see in, in this rally? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and I would tell you I'm, I'm a little concerned here right now. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a couple quick things. One is, first of all, just look at the, at the inverse of the market, the fact we've had this parabolic move straight up, and, the, and those are markets that are hard to sustain. So that's, that's kind of the other thing. The other thing I did is I, I looked at, um, and this is, I, I learned this from someone else, so I can't take credit for it, but I was looking at, and I'm going to focus on corn because that's the one that's the most interesting. Beans are a little tougher to gauge. But I looked at the 200-day moving average, looked at that versus the current market, and over time, that 200-moving-day average, if it gets to be a 10% premium over the current market, the corn market corrects. Now, sometimes it's 12%, and so I'm, you know, I don't want to get too, too deep and say that 10% is the number, but you get the idea. I did that recently, and I haven't done it for a week, and so I haven't put this last leg in this week. But the last time I calculated, it was 27% over premium. So it gives you pause to think about, are we at a place where the market needs a correction? Technically, I would say yes, 
looking at those calculations, I would say yes. It doesn't mean that we couldn't see another leg up, particularly in the bean market, as tight as the S&D is in beans. But I would say corn is going to be tough to get higher unless the acres don't materialize. But I think the bean, the bean market probably has a correction in it as well, but also has some maybe continued upside because the bean S&D is going to get tighter before the year ends. And, of course, you know, we watch and see the size of this crop that comes in from South America. Right, and and that's the other unknown. I mean, I'm I'm gonna say I don't I don't like to be critical of USDA. I mean, they have a tough job, but you know they've been very stout about not making changes in the South American bean crop. They've made very little changes in the Russian wheat crop, and and you know we're in the La Nina. We know that there's been some weather issues going forward, and so you have to. I mean, I'm in the camp of believing that those crops are smaller than USDA is telling us. We're starting to see some adjustments in South America, albeit small. But if those crops come any smaller than they already are, the fact that they're already delayed opens up the export window for the U.S. another 30 days on soybeans at least, and potentially for corn because you get a delayed in planting of, a, of the second crop, of the Supreme crop in Brazil, that again opens up another 30 days of exports for U.S. It just it, it adds up to uh, markets that will be well-supported going into the summertime um, because of the export business is just so strong. That timing has been another factor in all this. Sometimes yep. it gets overlooked. Their delay in their crop down there, delay then in their marketing, did leave the window open longer for us to sell, right? And especially to China. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that that hasn't we haven't seen a lot of discussion about that, but that is a huge opportunity for us, and that's why we believe the bean number you know, when we look at our ending stocks on beans for 21, 20, or 2021 crop year is going to get tighter than it already is, which is a very tight 140 million. Um, and the fact is we'll probably see the same with corn as corn goes to China and, and beans go to China for another 30, maybe even 45-day time period. And for that, that's what's so important to remember the timing. That's why I also, I mean, I speak about the calendar, thinking about when crops are planted, also thinking about when USDA reports come out. I mean, it's like this January report this last week. This is a big report because it always has surprises or always has market-moving information. So you have to think about the calendar and when things happen and what are the potential reactions to those to those events. So, big so it makes ahead. it so fascinating. It makes it so fascinating, all these different parts and the way they move around and come together the way they have. Steve, always good to talk with you. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Take care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst with Bravo AgriFinance. A little more perspective on this market. We'll talk with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with geeks on site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. 
you and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry. The pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of the topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you a guest important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're joined now by Brock Slaybaugh, Senior Vice President, Member Services for the National Rural Health Association. What can you tell us how the rural health care system is holding up? We're seeing some leveling of increases, at least in the spread of COVID infection. Some of the case rates as percentage of total testing going down a bit. But in some places, of course, we're still seeing surges uh, with hospitalization rates of 30% or more of 
total admissions due to COVID. And this is, of course, presenting some real challenges for many rural communities to be able to keep up with that surge in demand. And uh, we're watching that with great interest as we come off of the Christmas holidays now. Hopefully, we won't be seeing a similar increase after the Christmas holiday like we did after Thanksgiving. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. We had hoped to talk earlier in the week with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net, but he got a little busy, and I would imagine uh, that continues to be the case. Matt, good to talk with you. What what are you hearing most from farmers during this rally? Oh, gosh. Uh, probably the number one thing is uh, how high are we going to go, you know? And so uh, maybe a very close second is, you know, at what point do we need to step in here and be uh, protecting some of this downside that obviously uh, we've created by this huge run-up? And so uh, I think uh, both of those questions are not easy to answer, uh, but the second one would be a lot easier for me in that you got a lot of profit on the table already, and uh, taking some of that risk off the table as you rally makes a heck of a lot of sense. What's your sense of how much grain is still out there that could be sold? Yeah, that, that's a really good question, too. And I, I'd say, first of all, on soybeans, there's just not much out here. Uh, most of the elevator systems you talk to, farmer ownership is extremely low. Um, a lot of the beans have already been shipped. A lot of the beans are gone. As far as corn's concerned, I think there's more ownership for sure. But I think there's been a lot more corn that's already moved than what people have thought. Uh, you know, the thing is, when you look at some of these basis levels, we've backed off some here this week, but it would make sense that we backed off considering the markets rallied so sharply, you know, uh, after the report was released. And so uh, you've got some awfully salty cash prices right now. And, uh, you know, it's pretty understandable to see, uh, you know, where basis might back off a shade. But still, you know, I don't think that it's going to last forever because some of the end users that I'm talking to, you know, have shared that uh, they just haven't sourced the bushels they thought they were going to. So I do think that uh, cash ownership's still pretty tight on corn. It's just nothing like soybeans where there really isn't much out there to buy. I've been asking this question of a lot of analysts. Um, what do you see ahead for acres between corn and soybeans? you still see it in a pretty even split, or do you see one gaining more than the other? Well... You know, I'm, I'm sure hearing a lot about soybean acres gaining ground, especially in Iowa. You know, uh, obviously with the ratio event, you know that a lot of the producers are going to uh, struggle with uh, the idea about uh, volunteer corn, of course. And so, um, you know, you're going to have a fair amount of soybeans, but soybean profitability has just been so robust. And obviously growers, uh, if they uh, harvested later in the season because the beans weren't ready yet and they were going to sell them across the scale, they were handsomely rewarded for that this year. But anybody who held on to beans as well, you know, your profit margins per acre were so strong. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not thinking that corn acres uh, will get outdone by bean acres necessarily, but I do think bean acres are going to make a very strong case. They've been running over a 2.6 to 1 ratio, which certainly suggests that 
uh, bean acres would be pretty strong. And I don't know, it's going to be interesting overall on acreage. And I've probably talked to you about this a little bit before, but you know, wheat is really staking its claim to keep as many acres as what you can. I mean, you've got, you know, 650 wheat plus, and uh, you look at cotton, $80 cotton. I mean, uh, I don't know, some of these fringe acres, it might be tough, you know, to build a case for, for extra corn and bean acres on those fringe acres. Good point. I think wheat is certainly back more in the picture now than it has been for a while. We're talking with Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. So, Matt, how do you see a rally like this ending? I mean, does it just crash, or do you see it, it when it does finally slow down, it comes back, and we just kind of level off at, at higher levels than we were? Or how, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, I don't know about leveling off at higher levels, but I do think – uh, the, we're not just going to go, uh, in, you know, uh, we're not just going to go straight down. A lot of times, you know, they say you take the escalator up and the elevator down. And I think that's the case uh, plenty of times. But the thing is, Mike, there's so many questions uh, surrounding, you know, whether we're going to have enough soybeans here in the U.S., uh, you know, to get out to next September 1. And I don't know. I think that uh, you've got a very tight situation there, first of all. Second of all, on corn, there's a lot of whispers as to how much corn China is going to import, not just this year, but next year. Uh, and I think that their supplies are significantly lower than what USDA is suggesting right now. Yeah, it's hard to get information out of them, but uh, a lot of what they're doing would suggest to me that they're going to they're going to import a ton of corn this next year, as well as the remainder of this year. And so whenever you continue to see demand, it's going to be tough to see this market completely fall out of bed. But you know, are you still going to see $5 plus corn if we end up with 94 million acres of corn? I'm not saying we will, but if we do, that would <clears throat> certainly take the shine off this market a little bit, especially if you ended up having, you know, a really good growing season. But a fair amount's going to hinge upon what happens in South America as well. But quite frankly, we need a pretty good crop out of South America, and we need a pretty good crop out of the U.S. Uh, to be able to keep our world uh, ledger to uh, where we want it to be. So what I'm hearing you say is, there are enough questions and uncertainties in a number of areas, just like all these things have all come together to, to keep this, to make this rally work. Uh, all those factors, there's so many of them out there, and it'll take a while to answer some of those questions, so that should extend things a while. Yeah, it should. I mean, you definitely should have some back and fill action. You know, I could see a couple of washouts in here and flush out some of the weaker longs, but uh, that's what a healthy market does. But in the grand scheme of things, if you have weather issues, you know, <clears throat> in South America, or you have uh, issues here in the U.S., I think you could see all-time highs in this being uh, uh, the bean complex. I, I really think you could see front month futures rally to levels that we haven't seen. And so uh, uh, is that going to happen? It's all going to be dependent upon weather. We know that. But, uh, you know, uh, that possibility exists. And so uh, as tight as what we are, it's just going to be pretty tough to absolutely kill this thing, uh, you know, without uh, really good things happening to us as far as supply is concerned. So right now we watch South America. It sounds better for them in Brazil than it does Argentina. But uh, even, and I just mentioned this in our last segment, it's delayed enough. It's kept the window open. So that's that's another part of this scenario. Yeah, it, it, there's no doubt. You know, I think that uh, Brazil, they've gotten just enough to get by. I think they're going to have a pretty good first crop. There's no question. But one thing you got to be concerned with is how late the spring crop is going to go in the ground. And if they do go in the ground with a moisture deficit, which it appears they will in many places, uh, you know, you're susceptible to having issues later on with any dryness. A lot of factors at play here. Matt, always good to talk with you. Thank you. Hey, yep. Thanks for having me. 
Take care. Matt Bennett with agmarket.net. Well, that wraps it up. Have a great weekend. Coming up, uh, as we'll kick off uh, next week, we'll talk about this uh, waiver issue with the RFS, and we're going to talk about the biodiesel industry, their virtual conferences next week. Hope you'll join us. Have a great weekend, everyone. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.